Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my God, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. We're back from Vegas. We survived. We uh, we had a great time. Thank you all for uh, for enjoying the ride with us. We were gone last week, but we're back now for episode one one one. It's too bad it's not seven seven seven, but we'll get there someday. And by we, I do mean me and my illustrious co-host. He. Um, he had a heck of a time in Vegas, and once we got him sprung from jail and got him out of his arraignment, he's back in the vacation land state of Maine, and he's ready to podcast. Dan Davidson, welcome aboard, brother. I'm so hungover. <laughs> Did the real Caesar no. live here? <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, man. It's great to be here as always. What a fantastic time we had out in the desert last week. I can't believe it's already been a week uh, since we said goodbye to everybody. It. it Ugh, it, it it makes me sad a little bit. I got it, and I I I still had to put up with you for the entire flight home, so it makes me a little sadder. Uh, but we didn't have to sit together, which was like Christmas to me. So that's true. that was the best that's part. True. Hey, so, so let me ask you this. I mean, so some people talk about having post con depression. Uh, I think it's a an affliction known as PCD. Did you suffer from that this year? Are you doing okay? I'm doing all right. I don't think I, I, I suffer from anything like that. Um, I've gone through a lot of pictures this week, and I posted some up on my Facebook page yesterday. So a lot of good memories, and, and they're all good good things. You know, I miss everybody already, but um, I don't think I've had any PCD. How about you? I've, uh, I've been in re- a really great mood since I got back. Um, I had the time of my life out there. I think it was just what I needed. Uh, to see so many friends and members of our Star Trek family and, and to get all kinds of great information about Discovery, which we're going to talk about here in a bit. But mm. uh, it just, it, it, it warmed my Trekkie heart. You know? it, it really is. It's amazing to get uh, back together with all those friends that we've made over the last few years. It really is what the convention is all about to me. So no depression because I have so many good memories to take home with me. And hopefully they'll last for the 350 some odd days that we have left until we can all be together again. little tear coming out right now. There we go. <laughs> well, the countdown clock has started, buddy. It's at 353 for us. Not that we're paying attention to that sort of thing. But, Dan, how might people share their countdowns with you and I? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways, of course. On Twitter, Facebook, Skype, and on Instagram, you can find us at Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at podcast at trekgeeks.com. Or if you want to give us a call, please do so at 508-784-1701 to leave us a voicemail. You can also do the same thing at speakpipe.com. 
slash Trek Geeks. And as you may or may not have heard, we have at our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, which is available for you to join. Uh, there's been some great uh, discussion, especially this week, with a lot of pictures and stories about STLV. Uh, so go right on over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. And one of our wonderful admins, Heather Jackie or Dan, will let you right in to join in all the fun. But it's very important, Bill, to remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Back to you. That almost sounded like movie trailer guy, like Don LaFontaine. That was that was remarkable. I loved it. Thank you. Dan, you know who else would love that? That is our special guest geek for the full hour this week. And I speak, of course, of our great friend and member of our Trek family, Adam Drosen, who engaged in some of the best cosplay of STLV. Adam, <laughs> welcome aboard, brother. We're happy to have you back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Foxborough Stadium for tonight's broadcast of Trek Geeks, brought to you by Fansets and Jordash Jeans. I'm calling the place here on the field, but for now I'm throwing it back to Bill and Dan in the booth. Fellas, Akuchimoya. Moya, Adam. Thanks so much for that great toss. We really appreciate it. Buddy, how's it going? It's so great to, to talk to you again. I mean, it was just last week for a change, but it's so great to hear your voice. Likewise, fellas, thanks for having me back. Talk a little STLV on uh, the broiest show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> that is I think I lost my job. I think it's the new tagline. Uh, Dan, you lost your job like 50 episodes ago. You just didn't know oh, it yet. Yeah. Ouch. Dude, you were you you had some of my favorite cosplay with your representation of uh, well a particular character from Enterprise. You want to tell everyone about it? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, as everyone knows, it has been a long road getting from there to here, and uh, I wanted to do my best to represent my favorite underrepresented character in uh, Enterprise fandom, and that, of course, would be Chef. Um, classically one of the underseen by int intentionally underseen characters only explicitly seen in uh, the episode the catwalk we see him from the waist down and then of course in uh, the episode uh, that shall not be named even though I don't think it's that bad uh, the finale of Enterprise where he's represented by none other than uh, William Riker as chef but uh, I, uh, I was chef I had a uh, black not quite a ski mask I don't know what you'd call it, one of those green screen suits but it was like a black mask so you couldn't see my face and had a catfish and uh, a, a few people definitely got the joke and one guy in an enterprise uniform definitely didn't and I took him to task oh that I can't believe you didn't get it it was so like right in my face that exactly who you were especially with the catfish Seriously, it was in the elevator, too. He was, like, pressing the elevator button, like, as a gag to his girlfriend. She's like, what are you doing? She, he's like, I don't know if this guy's, like, stalking us or whatever. I'm like, bro, really? Do you not want any catfish or pecan pie? And he's like, oh. And I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got to well, say, Adam, uh, one of the best moments about that outfit was when we actually took a picture with you for our um, Scans for Paws campaign, which we're going to talk a little bit about later. But... Bill, as a Vulcan, actually was mind-melding with your catfish when we took the picture, and that was a highlight of the week. That's right, and um, if we're going by Enterprise canon, in the episode uh, Dead Stop, where the Enterprise is being repaired by the alien uh, repair station, it accesses the Enterprise database and uses the recipe from tri that Trip had entered into the computer. So you are very likely melding with a catfish from Trip's Florida home. 
Well, and I'd like to state for the record that the catfish did have lots to say, and he wanted me to tell you he couldn't breathe. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, well, you know, um, he is a joker. He had the mobile emitter of catfish breathing apparatuses, and uh, he wanted me to tell you that he thinks you should both wax them gams. (laughs) Wow, I've just been served, and it wasn't catfish. Nicely done. In the case of uh, Catfish versus Trek Eeks, you have been served. Dan, it's time for the news from our great friends at treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks. It's treknews.net. Did you go a little Peter Brady on me there? A little bit. It's time to change. Do you guys remember? Online, uh, did you, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. I don't want to interrupt the plug. No, it's okay. Online at treknews.net. Adam, you were going to say. No, I know you guys, you probably, as much as I do, love the movie Airplane. Remember when they cut to the news and the guy from like Tongo or wherever is like hitting a xylophone? Like, I'm just waiting for Dan to come in with a xylophone. Do it perfectly, note for note. Oh, that would be so awesome. Next week. (laughs) Yeah, it'll always be next week because I don't think he's ever going to learn to play the xylophone. Uh, Dan, up first, um, we have to talk about our cosplay for good campaign and how well it went. Um, uh, granted, it's not really treknews.net, but uh, it's certainly huge news, the, the amount of good we were able to do for the Nevada SPCA. Well, maybe Brian can put it on the site. I don't know. I'm just saying, there Brian. Maybe, you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah um, you know what? We can't say enough about the resounding um, success of the Cosplay for Good campaign. Scant Saturday was unlike anything I have ever um, taken part of ever and i think both you and i were very humbled by what we saw and by the support that we got from everybody uh the grand total has yet to be determined uh we're still bringing stuff we're still bringing money in as a matter of fact but i think we're going to easily clear twenty four hundred dollars when all is said and done when you take in the selfie challenge and the matches and all of the um donations that have been made so far i i think you're i think you're pretty close to that it's going to be right in that ballpark which of course covers the the fees from gofundme um, mm-hmm. because even charity gofundmes have fees but um you know dan as you know uh, our friends and adam's friends too heather and jeff from Shoreleave, did something above and beyond to help us raise money for scans for pause yeah, they, they really they really were great. Uh, they had a bingo challenge for STLV 2017, and one of the squares was dedicated specifically uh, for this uh, fundraiser that we were doing. Uh, they needed anybody who was playing the bingo game needed to find us and donate a dollar to the Nevada SPCA, and then they would get their bingo card stamped for that particular square. And we raised an additional seventy dollars just from that. And that's that's money that's going straight to the Nevada SPCA. Um, it's just amazing the uh, the donations that we were getting left and right on Saturday. You know, and and then Heather and Jeff uh, added to that total by by kicking in and matching themselves. So mm-hmm. you know, they brought us a couple extra hundred bucks, which we appreciate, and I'm sure the Nevada SPCA appreciates you know, uh, even more. And we, we truly can't thank them and the short leave listeners enough for their generosity. It, uh, it me- truly means so much to us, but Dan, um, you know, people can still donate to the GoFundMe because the campaign is still open. 
Right. It is still open. Um, I don't think we actually have a closed date. I know it's going to be sometime in the near future, but it's still available. All you need to do is go to uh, gofundme.com slash trekgeeks. Uh, all funds are going to go right to the Nevada SPCA. We won't actually see it. Um, we won't hold it. Um, anything that we got from donations on that Saturday have already been um, forwarded off to them. So uh, you can be... You can rest assured that it will go where we say it's going to be going, and that's a good thing. Um, The Nevada SPCA is the largest no-kill animal shelter in the Las Vegas area. We wanted to do something because we both have rescue dogs, and uh, what better way than to help those less fortunate animals? And it it just melts my heart that people were as, um, uh, as nice as they were last week with it. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Dan. Well said. Uh, Next up, gents, it seems that uh, Star Trek Beyond could end up being the final Kelvin Timeline movie. And if so, Carl Urban seems to have some thoughts on that, Dan. Yeah, uh, this was actually something that came out of Vegas while he was up on stage talking. Uh, Somebody was asking the question uh, about Star Trek Beyond and, and said, and, and asked Carl if, you know, did you like that one? And, of course, he asked that to the audience, and the, the crowd went crazy as everything, as every, everybody usually does. But um, Star Trek Four, even though it was announced last year by Paramount, last July, there really hasn't been a lot said about it. And, you know, Carl Urban says he's fine if the last one is the last one. So whether or not we'll see him playing Dr. McCoy again is yet to be seen, but... He's cool if he's done with it, and and I certainly hope that's not the case. Uh, Adam, you know, obviously you were a big fan of Beyond. I know you were uh, you were there for the big fan event at uh, at Paramount. Obviously, Um, uh, are you okay? I mean, if Beyond is the last one, how do you feel about it? I'll say this: as uh, a current employee of Paramount Pictures, I uh, am not endorsing or denying, confirming anything, but I will say that. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think they ended on a strong note. I think the fact that you can, they prove that this franchise, this piece of the franchise isn't necessarily tied to J.J. Abrams uh, is positive. I think the fact that um, uh, they had a really strong uh, uh, showing with Peg and Young and are optioning them to hopefully write a fourth movie as was announced uh, several months ago like you mentioned uh, it's it's all a good sign and I think you got to take into consideration that there's a uh, sort of equal parties clause between Paramount and CBS where in the rollout of Beyond CBS was kind of holding their tongue on what they had planned for Discovery and I think now that Discovery is in play Paramount's going to wait their turn a little bit so uh, I think if everyone just uh, is patient and uh, we'll see which way the wind blows. Yeah, that's kind of where I've been leaning toward this. I mean, obviously, you know, Discovery's launch had to be happen at a particular time because of the timing. And I suspect that when there is a, a new Star Trek movie, because let's face it, there will be one. It just may not have this cast. Um, and even if it does, it, it will be at, at the time when it suits both parties. I think that makes sense. I agree with you. One of the other things that I found interesting about that discussion that Carl had with the fans at STLV was he almost didn't come back for Star Trek Beyond. Were you aware of that, guys? He um, he was not happy with his character in Into Darkness, and he credits director Justin Lin for as one of the driving forces to get him back for Star Trek Beyond, and it certainly paid off because he was he was great in that one. You mean he didn't want to be uh, in a shuttlecraft with Alice Eve? I mean, I, I would have 
been in the part for McCoy just for that alone. I'm just throwing that out there. Wow. Okay. That took a turn. <laughs> well, here's hoping that uh, that there's just more Star Trek um, uh, in general. TV, movies, I just I want it all. I want them to go all Marvel on us, and we'll see where the road takes us. And speaking of the road, uh, Dan, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery a little bit later, but um, right now it looks like there's been some new promos, haven't there? There have been some new promos coming out. There was one specifically that came out earlier this week with uh, Sonequa Martin-Green doing a voiceover. And as with everything else, Discovery, it is just an epic trailer. There's not a lot in it other than characters, uh, faces, and but the voiceover by Sonequa is amazing. And in her words, the show will boldly go. It just looks great. Check it out on Twitter. Um, uh, you, I'm sure it's out on YouTube and, of course, at treknews.net. Uh, it is really a great promo i'm i'm really amazed at how amazing all of these promos have been over the last few weeks whether it's a 10 second clip of a phaser or something like that the detail the music the special effects everything is just wow i'm not necessarily a marketing expert but for me as a fan and adam you you've probably you know paid attention to this yourself i think the marketing for this has been pretty on point so far it's been good. I think it's nice that they're not going overboard. I mean, we're just over a month out at this point, and we've got two full-length trailers and a couple little drips and drabs. And probably as we get a little bit closer, you'll start seeing a little bit more substance uh, closer to release date. But I think that they're playing nicely. They're not uh, um, sprinting before the finish line gets too close. Yeah, and I think that that, that probably was the worry. You know, I think that uh, I think with Enterprise rolled out. Lo and behold, all those many years ago, I almost kind of feel like it it, it kind of dripped and drabbed a little bit, and then UPN went a little crazy there toward the end. Uh, I'm kind of glad that they're they're on the path that they're on. It's hard to believe it. it's just over a month out, but uh, I'm really excited. Uh, allegedly, and I, I obviously don't pay much attention to Les Moonves, but uh, apparently on an investor's call, he's he said the first six episodes are quote terrific. So I guess that gives me not only a lot of hope, but uh, I, I hope that it gives Star Trek fans hope. Because if the network president likes it, I'm pretty sure it, we're going to like it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I don't think you're going to see the flip side in news that on a call to investors, the CEO says, guys, this is real <laughs> dire stuff. So it's a, it's a little bit of softball fluff PR. But uh, sure, it's nice to read that there's some confidence at the studio. I'm not going to badmouth that. Well, I have a feeling that Les would say nothing otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Because, because for years he said nothing when it came to Star Trek. And the fact that he even opens his mouth now uh, tells me that at least the network is behind, uh, behind it 100%. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment, if I'm not mistaken, gents. That's kind of probably why I don't talk much when we talk about you. Just shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> You guys, it's, I don't I don't know for the people listening. It, it truly is like uh, an Oscar Wilde affair in here. The the repartee is just so arch and devastating. That's why we love doing it. You know, Bill, I think one of the um, most exciting moments or evenings for me uh, at STLV last week was the uh, Fansets launch party that we held 
uh, over at the other room at the forum shops at Caesar's Palace. Was that awesome or what? You know, it was pretty amazing. You and I have never done anything like that. You know, we've never even hosted a panel, let alone a party in Las Vegas. And um, I'm just, I'm, ex- I'm extremely grateful to our friends at Fansets for giving us the opportunity to do that. What a great night it was. It was a great night. And, you know, we are so thankful and uh, for what uh, Fansets uh, uh, has done with the Star Trek universe so far that, you know what, Bill, why don't we just bring one of the main guys onto the show right this very second and tell him exactly how much we appreciated it. Talk about what it was like that night. I've got Lou Halbeth on the line right now, and we are going to talk some awesome fanset Star Trek Discovery stuff right this moment. What do you say? Hey, Lou, how you doing, man? Good evening, Dan and Bill. How are you guys? We're doing we fantastic, my friend. Hard to believe it's been a week since we uh, said our goodbyes. You know, it's it's uh, it's amazing that it, it that week went by so fast, and this past week seems to be it, it like years have passed, um, but. Uh, Man, what a uh, what an awesome time we had last week, uh, last Friday night at uh, the other room, and I got to say, we were quite humbled by the turnout, and I think everybody there had a great time and won some pretty awesome stuff from fan sets. Yeah, it was incredible. the uh, The management of the other room came to me after the the completion of the event and said that was the best party they have ever thrown. We are invited back next year, and in fact. The uh, group that manages that restaurant also owns three others of Elton John's restaurant. That restaurant we were in is owned by Elton John. And they've invited us back next year. And if we can blow the roof off, much like we did this year, we'll have a greater facility. We'll probably be on the top of the Paris uh, partying it out for uh, the party 2018. So it's it's (laughs) exciting stuff. It was such a great party. You know, I was kind of just hoping that, you know, you guys would show up so we could sit around the bar and have a beer, at, in, you know, for worst case scenario. Uh, <laughs> but the, it, people just kept coming and coming and coming and the camaraderie. And, you know, what I noticed was how many people who are in different facets of the universe who got to meet at that party and, the, you know, the friendships and the communication that you're seeing a week later, as it continues to bloom, it's just, you know, it's very fulfilling for us. You know, I think the thing that really blew me away is that, you know, some of the people who attended showed up for us. Some of the people who attended showed up for you guys and your amazing product. But there were people we had no idea were going to show up. And before we knew it, we, we had that place packed. It really was elbow to elbow in there. And we couldn't have hoped or asked for a better turnout for you guys. Absolutely. It was incredible. It, if we would have had one more person in there, the fire marshal would have had to come and shut it down. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really something. Now, we had to we had to kind of, you know, we played our, our cards close to the vest, so to speak, for the week uh, leading up to it. We announced it as the fan sets launch party. But by the time the actual event took place, it actually turned into the Fansets Discovery launch party because you guys have come out with some great brand new Discovery pins just in time for the release of Star Trek Discovery next month. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you have and uh, and uh, what it's been like, especially with Vegas last week, because I'm sure that they uh, were hot. Well, Vegas, quite frankly, was overwhelming. That was our one year 
we, we've been in business just slightly over a year, but that was our first show we attended as a company last year. And the love affair between fan sets and the Star Trek universe has done nothing but grow since that date. The CBS relationship with fan sets has matured to the point where they asked us to be involved with the launch of Discovery. They rushed us to get us. We actually have had six pins at the show, but we couldn't release the Burnham pin because she hadn't given her approval to the likeness. Now, since the party, of course, the, the horse behind the cart, uh, she has given her approval. Uh, so we'll, we'll be launching the Burnham pin here very shortly. We had, to, we had Takuma, we had uh, the Shenzhou, we had the Discovery uh, logo, and we had uh, uh, Captain Georgiou as the, the sets, as the pins that we launched at the show. And we have, right now, we received another four designs this week. So we right now have 23 total pins in five out with another... 18 to come. Wow. That is so just it, staggering. It, yeah. I mean, and we, we've switched our, we will continue to support all the other lines of Trek that we do. You've seen through the week. I, I could hardly stand it on, on Tuesday. I had to show some pictures of new stuff we had coming out with, uh, uh, Jayla and a couple of the new ships, but we're going to continue to support the, the launch of, the Kelvin timeline stuff along with supporting the, the back lines of Trek, but we're really going to move our emphasis uh, for Star Trek Discovery for the next eight months going forward. That's that's awesome. I mean, the pins, and first of all, speaking of the Discovery pin set um, and, and last at STLV, got to give big congratulations to Tim, who was at the uh, party last week, and he actually won a Shadowbox Discovery pin set, and man, oh man, that thing looks really, really good, and I'm sure he's going to want to get that Burnham pin added to that at some point. Um, it, it really is something. We stopped by your table several times over the course of the week, and there was always jam-packed. Um, you said that this is now your second annual um, trip to Vegas I got I got I got to ask an honest question for you. Have you expected the level of of uh, love for your product that you've had so far in the last year? Well, that's a great question. We we to be honest with you, always kind of thought we would have the Trek love because we were we're coming at it. It was our first license uh, as a business, at, and we went after that license because of our love for Star Trek. We we thought that. We could translate our passion for the show and for the history and the culture uh, in, into the other licenses that we would get after the fact, and, and which is what we've done. We were the official uh, launch. We were the official collector's pin for the San Diego Comic Con when they when people got their bags, and we did a almost 150,000 pins down there two weeks prior to STLB. Um, we, we just launched into Target this week with our Harry Potter line. Um, all of that, though, made possible, I think, in part by the passion and the buying power of the Star Trek community. I mean, that, quite frankly, uh, we were able to leverage our way into some, some of these other deals because of how well the Star Trek community has supported us. And we're very grateful for that. And we are very committed to, to seeing that 
Star Trek, I mean, we've got Marvel coming on and, you know, we're doing stuff for Justice League movies. And but we are going to continue to keep the, the Star Trek line right at the top of the list for us because we have a commitment not only as manufacturers, but as fans to our to our favorite fandom. You know, I think one of the things that surprised me the most in Las Vegas is that uh, you guys had that beautiful TNG 30 pin. And with what amounts to a hometown crowd of sorts with Star Trek fans, you guys ran out of that pin just about every day, didn't you? Yeah, we shipped in three different times overnight. We we went through close to 600 pins uh, that entire time we were in Las Vegas. And it, we, it just kept selling. We, we actually sell completely through magnets that we had in stock both in, in Las Vegas and here in Denver. Now, so we're, we're back waiting for those to come in. And we had a small stock of pins left when we got back to town. But we, we came back with not a single TNG 30 pin in hand. Wow. We, we had to give them off our lanyards. We, we sold them right off our lanyards to customers. <laughs> wow. It, it's, it's really a beautiful pin. I've got one of the magnet ones, and I love it. Two things that really stand out about what you were offering this year, Lou, which I want to talk about. First of all, and as simple as it may sound, it's one of the best things that you guys brought out that I've seen this year, and that's the pin folio that you guys are selling now so that you can actually store the pins in a very secure uh, little folding uh, apparatus. That thing's great. I've got all mine already set up in it, and it really is good. They, the, the, the backing on that thing is top-notch so that you're not losing any of those pins and not moving at all. Absolutely, Dan. That was you know one of the one of the hurdles that we have as a company is to make sure that when people get a pen, they just don't take it home and throw it in their drawer. And that's why we, we sold out of the stands that the little acrylic stands that we brought mm-hmm. down. We sold out of the pinfolio uh, units, which you can take. You can put your pins in there. Turn that thing upside down and shake it yep. as hard as you can, and those pins will not will not come out. I mean, they are quality, quality, quality merchandise. So, it, uh, so yeah, that's it's part of our. We're gonna try to grow. We're gonna be getting into lanyards next year at Star Trek uh, STLB. You'll see fan set Star Trek lanyards, uh, places to to hang and wear your pins. You you may see a a, a sash to put them. On. I mean. A lot, lot of different stuff, but we, we, we recognize the fact that, you know, that they're, they're pins. They're, at the end of the day, they're still pins, so we've got to show it. We've got to give people a place to put them. Otherwise, they just, they're like a sports pin, you know. You, you Patriots, exactly. You Patriots fan, get, <laughs> get your pins and just throw them in the drawer, or your championship rings, just throw them in the drawer because you have so many. I was going to say, I don't have enough room on my hands for all of them at this point, so i got to do something with them. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, and it's looking really good right now in my office. I haven't hung it yet, but the 30th anniversary pin set for the next generation that you guys came out with, um, the second set after last year's captain's set, you guys did a great job with that. It is so beautiful, and I'm so happy that my wife actually talked me into getting it so that we can continue to get different sets every year. It looks great. Well done. And I think, Bill, you got one as well, and I'm sure it's going to look good in your office too. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. It was an important set. We're going to do one of those every year. Next year will be Deep Space Nine. We'll be working on their anniversary. 
the uh, we came home with about I want to say 60 sets. We haven't put them back out for sale yet because we're not going to resale them unless they're framed. We're going to make sure that we we we've ordered in frames. Uh, whereas at the show we had them available for varied prices, whether you got it with the pins or the backing or or with with it framed. Uh, we're going to put it back out when we come back out with it here probably next week all of them will go out the door it'll be one price for what's left and it'll be it they'll be six they'll be two hundred dollars nice it is a beautiful set i uh you know it didn't take me long to decide to buy it once i actually held it in my hand i didn't want to give it up and at that point it was well it's mine now so <laughs> right yep i um the, go ahead oh no we we had the best part of that piece which was really unexpected and then John and I had to follow through with it, was we had p- people who picked them up the first night or the, the next day, when they went through their autograph sessions, they were getting the cast members to sign them. Yeah. And we, had, we did a presentation. We had a presentation planned where we did cast sets. We had seven ca- cast sets made uh, for all the actors, and we were able to present it to everybody Except, um, uh, who wasn't there? Jonathan Frakes. Thank you, Jonathan Frakes. Um, which, uh, every, we were able to meet with, uh, every actor and we got them to sign our, our backboards as well, which just came out. I mean, it may, just makes the piece look absolutely incredible. So that was an unexpected surprise as we, we had people bringing them up to us after the fact and, and telling us their stories of how they talked with the actors when they signed off on the backboard. So, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was overwhelming this year. That's all I can tell you. I mean, it was, you, you really couldn't have hoped for a better uh, rollout for our second year, so much so that we've decided to go to the next creation Star Trek show, which will be in Chicago uh, on September 15th. We'll be there just before the release of the show. So nice. we're very excited. We just announced that uh, today. So we're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get back out with with the Star Trek community. We're actually we canceled out of another show that we were going to do that was just a Comic Con to go and do this well, because we think that the the, the fans are going to be wanting the Discovery stuff before launch. Oh, that's fantastic! Congratulations. When you're in Chicago, make sure you go and uh, tell Five Year Mission that we said hello and that we really, really missed them this year in Vegas. Absolutely. In fact, uh, we'll be sending you guys pictures of us having a great time with them. <laughs> oh, great! Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, we'll uh, share the love. Speaking of great times. Um, at the Fans Heads Discovery launch party and the great time we had, we made an announcement um, that uh, we're very excited to share with our listeners here on the podcast, and that is uh, Fans Heads will be the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery companion podcast, which launches September 25th. And, and Lou, we are so excited to have you guys on board, and we can't wait to start producing content. Well, it is our honor, you guys are absolutely, in our eyes, the cream of the crop. We we want our ship tied to yours, and we want to bring. We think we're going to bring some really cool stuff 
to your listeners about Star Trek Discovery and some insights that I don't think they're going to get anywhere else as the series advances. And, and quite frankly, why we're doing some of the stuff we're doing, we'll talk about first with you guys on the show. Uh, I, that's, I, that's I can't wait. Awesome. It, it you know we we had the discussion when we were in Vegas last week and uh, and it, it was Bill and I talked uh, uh, on our own and we're just so thrilled that you guys are going to be uh, are going to be that official sponsor and one of the things that's also very exciting for us is every week on Discovering Trek we're going to actually have uh, a special code that we're going to be giving out during the show which is going to allow all of our listeners to go to your site and. Use that code for some pretty cool stuff, which is yet to be determined. But having that exclusive uh, sponsorship is something that we're really looking forward to, and we hope our listeners enjoy it as well. Absolutely, and, and we'll look to maybe do some exclusives that are only available to Trek Geek listeners through that. Uh, we'll have some stuff that you know we're we're a little premature to talk about that that's pretty exciting, and you know we would also like to do a giveaway with you guys where you guys can. Uh, to some lucky listener, find a way to give them a complete set of pins uh, every episode that airs on through your podcast. Wow, that wow! That I amazing. think we could do that. Oh, I think we can definitely do that. And uh, I, I, the best part about it is, <laughs> you know, a bunch of lucky people are going to win some amazing pins because Dan and I both have all these pins, and I've already got them up on the walls of my cubicle at work. They're they're beautiful, and I, I look at them every day. If you buy the little acrylic stands, you can actually do away miss- missions with them. I've, I've, uh, that, that's, that's what I'd like to emphasize, is you can still play with them as an adult. <laughs> I might have to do that. <laughs> well, Bill first has to become an adult in order to play with them as an adult, so we'll have to talk about that later. Never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll tell you what, Lou. We are, we are so so proud to be associated with you guys um thank you for your kind words we think the same of you we are so happy that this has taken off for you and john and everybody involved with fansets the future is something that we are both looking forward to uh with fansets we can't wait to have you on discovering trek and uh anytime you got anything that you want to announce you know who to call because we'll have you on as soon as possible absolutely absolutely you guys you guys are our home team so we appreciate well, that. Do me a favor and let our listeners know where they can find you on social media or on your website so that they can order some cool stuff, man. Excellent. Well, our website is www.fansets.com. Our Instagram is fansets. Our Facebook is fansets. And our Twitter account is fansets. We're, we're pretty consistent. And we, uh, we hope that your listeners will take the time to, to follow us and, and like us and on, on all of our social media and we'll we'll follow them back. That's that's awesome. We um we go go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we're, we're we we look at ourselves as uh the manufacturer of the Star Trek fans, and we're going to do everything we can to 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 grow the the community through everything we do. I, I'm just I'm a little choked up. It's we we love our Star Trek. Uh, family and uh, that I think that's why we're going back to Chicago so quickly. 
That's awesome. Well, we love you, man. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm already looking forward to the second annual Fan Geek Party at STLV DS925. I think that's what we're going to call it. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Folks, his name is Lou Halbeth. He's one of the um, founders of Fansets. We uh, can't thank him enough for being on the show. And Lou, hope it's not a full year before we see you again, man. But I'm sure we'll talk to you a lot more before then. Absolutely, and it is our complete honor to to be your partners as we go forward with Star Trek Discovery. Thank you guys so very much for your time. Gentlemen, I think it's safe to say that uh, last week at Star Trek Las Vegas... Um, I guess now as people hear this, it's coming up on two weeks ago. We had the time of our lives. And uh, Dan, I think you and I are incredibly ex- or incredibly glad in hindsight that we changed our flights to arrive early Wednesday as opposed to Wednesday evening. Oh, absolutely. V- kudos to you, man, because this was that was your idea. Uh, when we heard that they were going to have the Discovery Wednesday, as we're calling it, uh, you said to me, hey, maybe we should try to get out there early, and we did. Um, I think it's the first time in at least two decades that I have actually pulled a 24-and-a-half-hour day and not slept at all. Uh, but it was well worth it because those Discovery panels were just phenomenal. That's the only word that I can use to describe it. Well, and we should say that, you know, as we talk about Discovery Wednesday, um, there could be details that people may or may not want to know. Uh, we're going to talk about things that were discussed in the panels. So uh, if you don't want to know that stuff, you may want to skip ahead, maybe about 10, 15 minutes or so. But other than that, um, we're now going to talk about some of the panel-based stuff. Um, Adam, I assume that you sat there for pretty much a good chunk of those panels as we did. Um, looking at the the cast panel first... Um, what was your impression of the the assembled cast members? Um, to me, it seems like they get what Star Trek is about. Do you come away with the same thing? I, I agree. I did not stay for the entirety of their panel. I kind of conked out once they started getting deeper into the Q&As because that's just my speed. I'm not a, much of a Q&A person. But yeah, they all seem pretty cool. This was, I mean, it, this is definitely this isn't your your main squad people. Clearly, you got a kind of a mix and match of some Klingons and some crew members from Discovery, uh, the Discovery ship. I should I should specify, but you can tell, like even in their capacity as supporting cast members, they definitely have a passion for it. I know uh, Mary Chifo is very active on Twitter, and before the panel, I didn't know much about. Uh, Ken Mitchell is the other Klingon Cole, but uh, he seems like he's certainly become a fan favorite just in his uh, his one appearance that day. Oh, without a doubt. I think that, you know, one of the things that surprised me was, uh, in fact, Dan and I were sitting there in our seats and I said to him, I said, I wonder why we haven't seen a picture of Cole. I said, <laughs> because it makes me wonder if there's something really different about him because he doesn't like, you know, one of these things is not like the others. Maybe he looks more like a TOS Klingon. And those words were sort of trailing in the air, like a, almost like a, a comic book panel. You know, you see the cloud and you see the ellipsis after it. And then all of a sudden they said, hey, you guys want to see a picture? <laughs> and that's about how it went, right, Dan? Yeah. And man, what a picture. Uh I was, I, 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 literally, I think my mouth was hanging open. I mean, everybody's talked about the different look of these Klingons and everything, but oh man, did that look 
like one scary dude with that dagger that he had in his hand. And uh, there are pictures of it on Twitter and stuff like that. But one of the things that that I, I think I stopped breathing for a, a moment or two, and I actually had to ask a couple people, did he just say what I think he said? And that's that Cole evidently is from the house of Core. And that blew my mind. And so if that's the core that we think it is, that is a pretty cool tie-in. And I'm going to love to hear the story behind that. Uh, he looks pretty badass, I got to say. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they explain um, that. Because obviously, you know, I, 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 some of the canonistas at, at times will just, you know, rail on the fact that they don't look like our Klingons. And, and I'm over that by now. But it'll be interesting to see how they explain how this guy could be part of the house of, of core. Um, uh, my ears definitely perked up at that. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm excited to see some of the scenes between uh, Mitchell and, and Mary Chifo because from what they were describing, it, it sounds very interesting. Especially when you consider that uh, Laurel is a Klingon of two houses. They revealed, yes. which I think is very interesting. What about you, Adam? I think that's cool. I didn't I didn't catch that part that she's from two houses. I think that's kind of interesting. You haven't seen that a whole ton. I mean. Worf was of one house and then became of another, but uh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of good development there. Certainly, uh, what was revealed later on about the Klingon's design aesthetic in the design panel uh, was very interesting, and it certainly seems like they've given it a good amount of thought. I thought uh, he almost uh, – the picture of Mitchell uh, as Cole looked kind of Chang kind of like Changi uh, yeah. um, with the, you know, just the bald and he didn't have an eye patch or anything, but just the ferocity. I was like, Ooh, that's kind of, it's got a little bit of a Chang vibe going on there. I like it. Oh, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, uh, Neville Page did the Klingons for the JJ movies, which I, I thought was an interesting tie in. He and Glenn, <clears throat> sorry, Glenn Hedrick are working on this series. They are both of course, face off judges with uh, Mackenzie Westmore. And I know Michael Westmore plays there uh, occasionally, but um, it's interesting to see that all of this seems to be intertwined. And while I like what Paige did with Into Darkness, I really like what they're doing with Discovery. Yeah, we only got to see a little glimpse in that one scene. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. Oh, no, I was just just agreeing with Bill, as I usually do, because he's so um, astute. (laughs) I guess. <laughs> but one thing I was going to throw in there, guys, was I got to say, I was very impressed with Wilson Cruz being up there on the stage for the first yeah. time at a convention. He he had some great things to say, um, not only about his character, but about what the show is like when looking at today's world. I thought he was really, really passionate about the things he was talking about. Of course, he's going to be playing... Um, the doctor on the starship discovery, I believe I'm not sure if it's discovery or Shenzhou, but I'm pretty sure it's discovery. And, uh, he was really great to listen to. I don't think I've ever triple tweeted about somebody in concession in my life, but I did with him because he was really great to listen to. I think the, the thing that surprised me the most about him was he, I I think the best way to describe Wilson Cruz on stage is he was exuberant. Mm. (laughs) Is that a fair word? (laughs) Yes. Very. I, um, I, I was pleased. I mean, you know, he, was for you know ready to say that you know he's he's been a fan. He's wanted to do two things in his life: be on Broadway and be in Star Trek. And now he's accomplishing both of them. And and it was a fan sitting there in the in the the theater that really kind of you know gave me the warm fuzzy. I'm not going to lie because here's somebody who wants to be part of this. You know how many actors you know dream of of getting a part, and this guy really was vested. And I think that was probably one of the coolest things. You know. It's amazing to see the passion that all of the actors in the show seem to have for 
Star Trek. It's not just a gig to them. It seems like they are true Star Trek fans. Now, we know that Anthony Rapp has been watching the series from the beginning since he was uh, cast in his uh, in his um, part, but the, they seem to really have a deep love and affection and appreciation. That's the key, appreciation of Star Trek, and I think it's going to show on screen, so I'm looking forward to it. Adam, what do you think? I agree with all that. I think he definitely seemed real enthusiastic. I've seen him in some stuff before. He's definitely a good actor. Uh, from what I understand, I think I saw a tweet that him or Anthony Rapp put out that they've done some theater together before, which I'm not surprised about since they're very uh, active in New York theater community and both were well regarded there. So I think it's cool that they're bringing some past experience, work experience together on screen. And uh, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's long overdue from a social perspective that we're seeing this representation on track of course and uh i'm a big fan of uh tom and balana on voyager so i'm hoping that uh that this is going to be my new tom and balana relationship on discovery i I hope i ship these guys (laughs) oh absolutely i'm right there with you i mean i may not be the biggest voyager fan but i appreciated the depth that that relationship brought to those characters and i have a feeling that you know both with uh with Stamets and Culber, um, these two characters, uh, although it's not going to be a, a main focal point of the plot, I, I'm I'm looking forward to what it adds to the dynamic among the crew. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Quick, uh, quick tangent, if I can, real quick, guys. You were talking about Bolana and, and Paris, and last night uh, on H and I there was an ep- or two nights ago there was an episode of uh, Voyager on, and it's the one where Bolana's worried that her baby's going to look Klingon and she's going to have to deal with whatever she dealt with when she was a kid. So she wants to change, and she's just having temper tantrum after temper tantrum. And my wife goes, "God, what does Tom ever see in her?" <laughs> I just found she's that my extremely favorite. funny. <laughs> she's my favorite I- character. <laughs> I I love Bolana. I um I do too. I, appre- I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that your wife felt that way though. That's kind of funny. <laughs> it um, was. I, I have to say that you know of the the other Wednesday panels, the one I really enjoyed the most beyond the actors one was probably the writers panel, and I I, I knew that that Ted Sullivan was going to be there. I knew that Kirsten Beyer was going to be there. But Adam, I was pretty blown away when Akiva Goldsman walked through the door because um uh, the guy's an Academy Award winner. Oh, yeah. He's definitely written a lot. He's been around for a while. There's a lot of talent behind the screen uh, uh, on this production. I got pretty lucky. I actually got to meet Ted Sullivan right when I was walking in to the hotel. I was checking my bags about a couple hours before the panel. I met him and I was talking to him. And he's a really nice guy. And then as I was walking down, I got to – I was talking to my buddy Jordan Hoffman who hosted that panel and who happened to walk by about Ted again and Kirsten Beyer are also very nice. So I can tell you firsthand these are some very sharp, very personable people who you've got writing these episodes and it was really refreshing to hear them and Akiva Goldsman who like you said just a long time Hollywood player talking about how long they've been involved as fans now coming to it that's what everyone always wanted it you know from Brian Fuller uh, onward uh, just someone with the passion and, and the reverence for the material to be put in pen to paper you know and reverence is exactly the right word you know I I watched that panel again because um you know, they put it up on YouTube and the Star Trek.com website, you know, uh, put it out there and uh, for people to rewatch. And I, I was you could tell there were three fans sitting right there and that they were kind of amazed that they were in this spot. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Dan? I would agree. It was it was really something to watch. Um, but I do have to ask Adam a question and I need him to tell the truth now, Adam. What was more exciting for you, meeting Mr. Sullivan or meeting Jason Gorn? 
It's a good point. It's a good question. Um, here's the thing about Jason Gorn that a lot of people on Twitter who follow Ted and followed the exploits of Jason Gorn might not know is that uh, much like his rhyming namesake on Deep Space Nine, Morn, whose first name is Jason, it was never actually said on the show, but Jason Morn, <laughs> we never see him talk. He's a chatterbox, as everyone on the show will tell you. Same yes. goes for Jason Gorn. He will not shut up. So I, in my tweet where I took a picture with him i said that uh producer slash gorn paparazzo ted sullivan had it to escort uh jason gorn away to the panel before any spoilers could be hissed so there you go <laughs> all right wow. I love that's that also an exclusive jason gorn <laughs> i'm dying yeah, you, guys didn't that know, awful. you guys didn't know Morn's first name until now how about that they didn't leave the, they didn't put know, that that's... in star trek deep space nine uh companion no, they really didn't. That's a deep cut, and I'm sure that that will come up on track ranks at some point. <laughs> oh boy, just a guess. I know, right? Um, so, uh, you know, as we think about the weekend as a whole, you know, because those were some of the the huge takeaways. They had a couple of other discovery panels, which uh, at that point, I I will admit that I missed because uh, you know you get into seeing Trek family and you can wind up catching up, and before you know it, two hours have gone by. But um, what were some of your other favorite uh, panels of the weekend, Adam? Hmm, there was definitely some good ones. Um, uh, let's just quickly get a bit. Not, it's, it was not one of my favorites, but it was certainly a um, uh, a key highlight of the weekend uh, was the TNG reunion panel. I was not planning on attending that, but thanks to uh, everybody's favorite host, Scott Mance, we got to sneak in a little bit early, and it was cool to run around the big theater totally empty and take pictures on the stage. But uh, apparently Terry Terry Farrell was supposed to be moderating that TNG panel, and uh, at the last minute the cast decided against it, and it was pretty much just uh, a better part of an hour and a half of Q&A unstructured. So that wasn't so great, but they're all such professionals. There were still some gems scattered about so i didn't love the tng panel but i was glad i got to be there and kind of got a cool view from uh, the side early on um what else did i like i liked the comic stuff with uh, i'm a big fan of this new comic series waypoint where it's almost like a little anthology where you get a deep space nine story and then maybe a tng story or a gold key homage i think that's kind of a fun comics comic book that's been out there and then the other one i was kind of excited about was uh the elkars panel with the akudas where you know everyone knows mike and denise akudas the graphic designers of the next generation uh, onward in terms of the style of the elkars format you know the on-screen graphic user interface that the uh starfleet uses but there were some really interesting little tidbits that i didn't know about their ideas that i it's just the kind of stuff i enjoy seeing on like a behind the scenes feature on the blu-ray or in a something like the Deep Space Nine companion book I'd mentioned earlier, but uh, they had mentioned about the Vulcan script that they designed. If you've ever seen that, it kind of goes from top to bottom, and they described it as trying to look like music. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting, because there are some figures in that Vulcan calligraphy that almost look like treble clefs and musical notes. And uh, the other interesting tidbit was about for the Ferengi language, which I, I guess you see when Quark's on his replicator or in the few episodes where they go to Ferenginar, he said about the Ferengi language, it's designed to look like a very complicated 
I'm, I'm paraphrasing it badly, but a very complicated contract that you're supposed to get lost in all the clauses and subclauses of. And I was like, that's a very clever just ideology working the character into the script uh, to something you might see for half a second on screen. I like that kind of thing. Wow. So you're saying there was lots of deep cut type stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Elkar's panel. Very interesting with the Akutas. I, I can believe that. I missed that one. I, I'm, I'm sure I was walking around wearing a dress at the time. But uh, <laughs> uh, Dan, how about you? You you have some likes. You have some dislikes. Um, tell me yeah. something about your experience. Well, <clears throat> let me talk about the dislikes first. It's kind of interesting. They all kind of tie together. Um, and the fact that the, the three dislikes that I that I thought of off the top of my head were all related to being in the main auditorium. Um the first one is, you know, creation's been doing this forever, but their disorganization sometimes is abhorrent. I mean, it's just really, really aggravating, especially with autographs. I understand that all the people are, or most of the people there are volunteers, and I love them for it. I don't know if I'd be able to do what they do, but sometimes trying to figure out where you need to be, and then it changes, and you're not sure, and you have to watch the screen, and this, that, and the other thing, it can really cause a lot of frustration for the fans that are paying, you know, a lot of money to get to get autographs from these stars, and I, and I thought that was a little bit, um, a little bit sad. So I was sitting in the in the large auditorium for a, a few hours on Sunday, uh, the last day of the convention, because I was getting several autographs, and um, I gotta say, um, and I think that everyone uh, here tonight uh, on the show will agree, I was not a fan of the house band this year at all. What do you guys think? Yeah. I um I. I heard them a, a little bit, and uh, I I thought they were a decent cover band, but definitely not the vibe that Five Year Mission brings to the stage. How about you, Adam? I agree, and I think it's tough because we are all fans of Five Year Mission, and we're friends with them uh, from yeah. hanging out at the convention. And it kind of flips both ways. It's been noted that the band that played at this year at the convention is friends with the owners and organizers of the convention, and uh, I have to imagine that played some part in it. But I, you know, I wasn't in the main auditorium as much as other people were. I was there for some panels, certainly, but. Um, uh, there were certain panels that they were didn't play anyone on or off the stage, and there wasn't any DJ doing any music either, so it was very awkward, and uh, Five Year Mission would never do that, and uh, I think it was just disappointing, and you know, the great thing about Five Year Mission is they put a lot of thought into the kind of songs, if they're going to do a cover song, you know, that the lyrics or the hook of the song has to do with the guest coming out, or a movie, or a show that they've done in years past, and I know a lot of our friends and people at the convention expressed disappointment that that maybe some of the songs were, were if not not as well curated as they could have been or in, in poor taste in some choices. Sure. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I if, I noticed that with with the band this year, and I, I think it happened with another band a different year. But yeah, definitely not the level of planning and, and pre-production that goes into when the boys play, shall we say. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and, you know, this is only my third STLV. Um, I got to obviously see them five year mission at the 50th last year. And, and it seemed that there was an awful lot of star Trek related songs when they were doing it. And, and you mentioned it a minute ago, if I want to see a band at a star Trek convention, I don't want to see a cover band. I want to see star Trek songs. I want to, I want to, I want to live star Trek while I'm watching the stage, which is not something that I do a lot of, to be honest, is go to a lot of the panels. So that was disappointing. But I got to say that the thing that disappointed me the most, and, and I don't want to get on a political soapbox here because that's not what we do on Trek Geeks, but 
I was in the panel, I was in the auditorium on Sunday, and I love George Takei. I think he's great what he's done for Star Trek, what he's done for the LBGT community. Love the guy. I personally disagree that Star Trek Las Vegas on that stage is a time for him to get up there and spout his own political beliefs and things that he agrees with and disagrees with. I was in there for the full time that he was talking, and I was I, whether I agree with him or disagree with him, I'm not going to say which way I, I, I lean. I was disgusted by listening to him spew on and on and on about his own personal beliefs. That's not the place for it. People there want to listen to Star Trek stories and Star Trek history and talk about what he used to do in 1967 when he was on a particular episode. I was very disappointed in having to listen to that for as long as I did. Well, you know, and I, I get it to some extent. I mean... Uh, on some level, I mean, George has adopted this mantle, you know, whether he wanted to or whether, you know, it uh, it was thrust upon him, you know, from all his work, you know, in, in, in social causes. And I get it on some level, but it's it's a crowd that is is typically receptive to the message. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't necessarily want to go to my Star Trek convention and have it turn into a you know a political rally because in New Hampshire I get political rallies all the time. Right. But uh, I, I guess I can I, I can understand the way you feel that way. I mean, I know not everyone does, but um, obviously George is going to keep coming back, and I think that George is probably going to keep doing what George does. Oh yes, um, I agree. Yep. Uh, Adam, uh, obviously Dan has no strong feelings on the matter, eh? <laughs> I mean, d- d- that's the thing about Trek geeks is uh, y- you guys pull the punches all the time. That's what they say. It's this, the the the, 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 pu- the punch pulling us show the side of the Alpha Quadrants. Um, <laughs> that's a thing, right? That's a new hashtag for you. Yeah, it's it's a new sure. thing. I get I get both sides of it. I think he's probably of the mindset of I've been doing this for five decades, four decades of conventions. I'm just going to talk about whatever the hell I want. And um, if they're going to keep paying him, people keep showing up. He's just going to keep doing that. So I, uh, I I get where you're coming from, Dan. I think if, uh, you know, that's it. I mean, I really, it's unfortunate because I think most people would agree with you that people want to ask him about how he feels about Star Trek, but I think it is also cool that he's still out there doing it and you get to just kind of, you know, be, be, be in his world for a little bit, you know, whether or not. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll say this and leave it at this: the, the two, if you if you're the guy who dressed up as Trump and had a little Trek lapel pin on his lapel and did a little shtick around the floor, not cool, not funny. Not cool. Yeah, no. in, in poor, it was in poor taste and it wasn't funny. Right, I, I agree I with that 100. percent I will say, if we ever get George Takei on the show, he's going to be my favorite person ever. <laughs> Just saying. Well, Absolutely, it, yes. Reminds me of the time that Mission Log did a supplemental with him, and uh, if you haven't heard that one, it's it's great because there are various times where it's uncomfortable, and uh, it's 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 great listening. It really is. Um, I, I have to uh, I have to say that I I didn't have very many dislikes with this one. I, I'm happy to go into to what I liked, um, and I have to say I loved 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 the Discovery exhibit because. Mm. It was a chance to go in there and geek out and see the investment that CBS is putting into this and to see things that are not just, you know, film quality, but you know, these things look like they could be taken out into the real world and, and played with, especially that EVA suit. Um, I'm sure both of you gents sat in the captain's chair, and I got to tell you, it, it feels pretty good, doesn't it? It feels wonderful. 
<laughs> it was it was great. Um, that that entire room was just Geek Fest 2017. The detail in those costumes, deltas on the boots, uh, just the littlest thing was enough to go, oh my god, this show is going to be awesome. But sitting in that chair. That was a little something special. I got to do it. I think we both did it twice, Bill. The first time, I kind of was in like spatial inner space because my shirt wrecked havoc with the green screen behind us. But uh, I didn't mind sitting there again. I, I'm not going to lie. Adam, what was your favorite piece in that exhibit? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I, like a lot of people, have expressed online so far. I'm a big fan of those white medical uniforms. Very cool, very slick. Big fan of that. I liked seeing the concept art of what was listed uh, on the text underneath as crepuscular, if I'm pronouncing that right. That sort of weird crab shell hermit crab alien you see a brief little glimpse of in trailer two. Very yeah, yeah. cool. Very cool to see that guy. I wonder what's going on with them and that planet they're walking around on. Very curious. And uh, yeah, the chair's awesome. Uh, I I got to sit in San Diego, which was really fun. But the the thing about that one is the people in front of us were like kind of not really Star Trek fans and were kind of didn't have a fun attitude to be stuck behind them the whole time. So it was fun to go back with Trek people. And my friend Chef from the NX01 got to sit in it. So it's now canon that since the Enterprise and uh, you know. After it got decommissioned, Chef uh, served on uh, the Discovery. So there you go. Nice, very nice. I um, I, I have to say that I loved uh, that Klingon Batleth that's in there in the Mechleth. I I loved that they were so different, but they looked so real world. I mean, I felt like I could pick those things up out of there, you know, the holders that they were there, and, and really, you know, just go to town with them. I, I wanted them on my wall in my living room. Um, Dan, do you have a favorite piece in there? I think that that Batleth was amazing. I, I just thought it was great. And the other thing that I liked a lot, even though it was very subtle, was the display of all four com or not com badges, but deltas um, from all the divisions just sitting on, I believe it was above the tricorder, I think it was. Um, that was very, very cool. I like seeing that. But I, yeah, I think that Batleth was my favorite piece. That was very cool. I think that one of the things that I really appreciated was that I feel like there were clues to the series all around us in that room if we only looked for them. Mm. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go out on a limb and spoil anything for anybody, but if, if people looked at the artwork that was on the walls above these things and actually studied them and looked at some of the descriptions, I think it actually gave us some pretty good insight as to maybe a couple of plot points that are going to happen maybe. What do you think, Dan? Possibly. I think a lot of questions will be answered. Maybe some naysayers will be um, quieted a little bit because I think I know specifically about one of the pictures that you're talking about. And uh, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. Adam? I think they, the, the guys and gals over at CBS were very smart with the amount of material that they put in that room and the way it was curated and organized and the way that it kind of – they led you in, they led you out. I, I think that once we start to see the show and start to see these pieces in the context of the narrative and our characters wearing and using these costumes and props, it's going to really pay off in a big way, I hope. 
Oh, I agree with you 100%. We have to give all the credit in the world, not only to Creation Entertainment, who put on, uh, by all accounts, one hell of a convention, but also to the team from CBS, which curated these items and, and put them on display and, and made sure they were available. And, and the captain's chair, so John Van Sitters and his whole team, you know, they, they didn't have to bring these things to STLV after going to San Diego Comic-Con. And they did, and it did not disappoint in the slightest, I have to say. I agree that yeah, the, I like how you point out they didn't have to do it last year. They didn't really do anything with Vegas. This year they really did a lot with Vegas, and I'm I know if, I for one appreciated it very very much, and I'm sure the thousands of fans there did as well. Well, gentlemen, you know we've taken a really high level look. We've asked about some dislikes. Um, uh, Dan, do you have any overall things that you absolutely loved about the weekend? Yeah, one of the things we already talked about when we had Lou on earlier, and that is fan sets. I, they are just uh, they're just so great. The product that they're putting out is is really, really something. I look forward to seeing what the next pin's going to be. That doesn't happen a lot with a lot of different products uh, with me. So fan sets is great. We already talked about Discovery, whether it's the, um, uh, the panels or all of the uh, different things that they brought to show us, such as the captain's chair and uniforms. And... As a person who has never really cosplayed before until this trip, when we did our scans for pause, the cosplay at STLV is just phenomenal. Whether it's Chef or or you know someone had a Horda, they even had animated series uh, Aliens, the Birds. I can't remember the name of them. Um, thankfully, Megas Two was not involved this year in cosplay from anything <laughs> that I could see. So that's always a positive thing, and we'll get Adam's opinion on that in a second. But I did want to take a quick second to point out something, guys, that normally I wouldn't do on the show, but I, I really it really holds a special place for me for this past convention. And um, you could play the music that Bill does for his Dear Whomever moments, really, if you wanted to, Bill. But um, i got to give a very special shout-out and thank you to John Champion from Mission Log. Um, I got to hang out with him a lot this this year. Um, He actually went to dinner with us one night and got to know him a lot better and got to hang out with him. One of the classiest guys I've ever met. He had some great things to say about Bill and I and the show, and he had some great things to, to, to teach about podcasting because he is one of the best seriously and uh, i just wanted to give a special shout out to him it was great to hang with him and get to know him and be involved in some slow-mo gentleman uh videos on instagram uh that bill and i did with john at the big delta at the rotunda of the convention that was a lot of fun so (laughs) that's that was really it was really great to get to know him a little bit better looking forward to next year I, uh, I have to agree with you john is uh john is an amazing guy he was one of the first people to um to immediately step up and say he would help us with scans for pause after, you know, I mentioned it in passing and uh, he did not disappoint and he delivered and then some. So uh, our hats off to John and to Ken and to mission log. Um, They are phenomenal friends of ours. And uh, I only wish we could be more like them, Dan. (laughs) True. I don't think we can ever get that good, man, though. Truly. I know. Uh, Adam, you have any more, uh, you know, high level things you loved about the weekend? Yes. Uh, first of all, my first thing I want to bring up is medical. And I am, I want to throw it out there, I'm not a doctor. Um, but I noticed a couple days into the convention that the two guys who I'm talking to right now on the podcast, I could see in their eyes, their skin, their complexion. I could note, I could tell that Bill and Dan, both of you guys, your cheesesteak levels were extremely low. <laughs> Incredibly. And I was concerned. 
I was I was genuinely concerned for your health. Now, on a completely unrelated note, one of my favorite restaurants in Las Vegas is Pop's Cheesesteaks on Decatur Avenue. And I was planning to get lunch when I happened to run into you guys on the showroom floor. And I said, hey, do you want to want me to pick up cheesesteaks for you? And we had a fun little lunch in Quarks. And that was honestly just a, a quick, like, 20 minute, just like super low key, cash, fun highlight as I got to blow your minds with some insane cheesesteaks. Did I not? Oh, dude. Cannot it, even dis. Oh, <laughs> it, it was amazing. I was. I'm about to. Adam, when you're done, I'm going to go through my my truck rank style rankings without without <laughs> five words and hashtags. But um, uh, I'm. Uh, we're going to hear about cheesesteaks again very shortly. But they were phenomenal, buddy. Okay, great, great, great. So that was really fun. Um, I'll bring up some of my other food moments to piggyback off of your thing later. But uh, in terms of the convention, just really nice getting to hang out with you guys, all the people over at Tricorder, of course, and um, uh, Jason and Ashley from the Red Shirt Diaries. It was really fun. I don't know. This is kind of a random thing that I always love, but um, I, I went to like at least three, maybe four of the auctions the no minimum bid auctions that gary berman from creation runs i always think that's really fun just to kind of watch the things people like to bid on and how it gets uh you know exciting for some of these higher uh uh cost items so i i enjoyed that and i think if that's something you never got to sit in on at a at a stlv or a creation convention check it out next time i think it's actually kind of a fun vibe um uh, I think the vendors room was really on point this year. In years past, I, I've only come away with you know maybe a handful of things, but I've bought more uh, this time around than uh, it, probably the last three years combined. I know you guys mentioned fan sets before, and of course your party with them was another one of my highlights. But I, I came away with certainly a few pins, some discovery pins. Uh, I got Admiral Janeway from Endgame, you know the finale where she's got that nice. sort of Q-tip kind of cotton candy hair. It's a really cool <laughs> little pin. <laughs> nice. So I was like, ooh, that's a deep cut i gotta get admiral janeway um i got a really nice plush guinan from make it so who's uh really that. good beautiful yeah really nice right yeah she did uh her name's mickey she's uh friends with uh, heather and jeff over at shore leave she's done a few of their shows which is how i heard about them she does all the original characters in these little homemade plush yarn little balls and uh she did all the tng characters this year including tasha yar and guinan and i always for years was like why isn't there a plush wharf i want a plush wharf and i was like i want to get it. so then i was like i thought when i went saw the table i was like oh i'm gonna get that plush wharf finally but then i saw guinan and i was like oh no i need to get her because a you never see any guinan merch ever and it was so funny she nailed the hat she nailed the likeness it was really fun so i got that i got um I never got any official Trek merchandise from the booths there before, but I, the the new hoodies that were very, very nice, they were uh, sort of a, a jersey gray, I guess. Uh, they had a TNG 31 and a classic Trek one. I got the TNG 31, but Bill, you were there when I got it. The sizing on these things was insane. I got a double XL and it was like just as big as it should have been. Because when you get a hoodie, you don't want it to be too tight. You want a little, a little bit yeah. of uh, something to swim around in there. But I got a double XL and it fit 
it just right. Now, it was crazy. So I think a lot of people were kind of bummed out ab- about the sizing on some of these official uh, pieces of Trek memorabilia in there. But uh, uh, other than that, I got a cool vintage Trek shirt from like – it says like 1966 to 1991, 25th anniversary. I was like, oh, that's cool. You, you only find that nice. kind of stuff at, at STLV, you know? So right. that was yep. really fun. I got a cool uh, The Cage mug with Juan Ortiz's artwork from The Cage. So I felt pretty happy leaving the vendor's room this year. I got like a cool variety of all different kind of Trek stuff. And I was pretty hyped about that in a way I hadn't with uh, STLVs in years past. That's fantastic. You know, I have to agree with you on the sizing of the sweatshirts. In fact, I decided not to buy one because <laughs> of of the sizing issue that you encountered. Because uh, if that one fit you that way, there's no way they were going to have one that fit me. <laughs> it, it was it, that's a bummer of it. They're really nice, but I, I'd say you know check in with them and maybe a month or two. Because I think they'll realize that they could sell a lot more if they get their sizing like like proper. Agreed. I um, you know, I have a a short list of of five things that I really loved about the weekend. I have to say, if I rank them, you know, from five to one, number five would be just a whole TNG thirty atmosphere. I think it was a great celebration of the second live action Star Trek series. You know, I think back to nineteen eighty six and and how people weren't sure about it, and then it, it took a few years for it to find its legs. I, I'm glad that we all get to come together and celebrate this show because it really was like kind of getting lightning in a bottle twice. Um, number four, I'd have to say the Discovery exhibit. I, I truly loved. It. I couldn't have gone through that thing enough because. The two times I went through there, I saw different things each time, whether it was detail or, you know, uh, reading the the various descriptions on things that, you know, uh, the the second or third time, it really brought Discovery home for me, and I couldn't be more excited for the show now. At number three, I'd have to say our our dear friends at Fansets, not just the party and not just the slew of pins I came home with, but uh, our continued relationship with them is... And as we announced earlier on the show, they'll be the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek when it launches. We're proud to be their partner. We're proud to be their friends, more importantly, because that's the kind of people they are. Uh, number two, my Trek family in general, because um, you know it's it's time that I needed you know to to congregate with with other people who love this thing the way that I love this thing. And uh, number one, I got to say, at cheesesteaks, the broiest meal I had in Vegas, and it was. Every bit as Drosen advertised, wasn't it, Dan? Oh my God, it was it was so good. You know, I've been trying to watch what I eat. I didn't care that th- no. that afternoon. It I was just care. like, oh God, it was good. I want another one right now, Adam. I have a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Bill, that's you guys, an awesome I'm, list. I'm so glad you enjoyed it as well. No, that, that was a big thing uh, with the cheese steaks and uh, like I've said before, to quote Doug Drosen, uh, when I'm in Vegas, I like to eat like I've got two. So uh, I, did, <laughs> I actually went back for a second cheesesteak for the ride home. No, no shame, no shame there. But uh, my favorite uh, breakfast spot, you guys got to go to Jams uh, with two M's. Check out Jams and uh, check out uh, if you if you guys like the buffets, I recommend the Buffet of Buffet Pass. You get fifty dollars unlimited buffet access any of the Caesars properties, so it basically pays for itself after one buffet visit. So this year we did Caesars Buffet, Real Buffet, and Paris Buffet. And they were all pretty good. Wow. Uh, the tour of gluttony, as we like to call it on golf track, and it does <laughs> yeah. not disappoint ever. 
Yeah, it's, it was it was definitely fun, and uh, you got to pace yourself. You know, if you only get you know one plate or maybe two plates at the most, you got to feel like okay, I'm still getting my money's worth, even though it's all you care to eat. So, but I uh, check out Paris for breakfast because they have the they're known for their crepes, of course, they're Paris, and I know uh, uh, Dan's a big Disney head, and it definitely has a bit of that uh, Walt Disney World kind of flavor of like, oh, I'm in like D- Disney Paris or whatever. So it's kind of oh, fun. Okay. Awesome. Nice. We'll have to That's keep that awesome. in mind for next year. I don't. Uh, we haven't figured out. I don't think we're going to stay at the Rio next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I know I, we're not staying at the Rio next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we're not staying at the Rio next year. But uh, if that means crepes in in Paris, that could be definitely be an option. I do love me some crepes. I'm not going to lie. I like that. Yeah, that's like a that that's idea. a fun thing. I, I just thought of one more favorite thing I got to add on to my list of favorites. And uh, yeah. uh, I mentioned my buddy Jordan Hoffman before. He's the host of Engage Podcast, and he does a lot of the, he did a lot of hosting this year, more so than years past. He did trivia each of the days at the convention. He's like, he kept trying to bug me. He's like, you got to come to trivia. You got to come to trivia. So one day I came and did it. And he also is friends with our buddy Jim Morehouse from Trek Ranks Podcast. And he wanted us both there on the same day to compete in the finals. Ladies and gentlemen uh, of the Trek Geeks family, I'm proud to announce that your boy Droz went home with the championship that day. I beat our good buddy in victorious combat, Jim. It was an honorable battle. He came in close second, but uh, w- winning the the, tr- the Trek trivia on I think it was Friday was a was a blast. And uh, CBS hooked it up with a pretty gnarly swag bag. So thanks, Jordan and CBS, and uh, Kapla to all of the rest of the trivia competitors. Wow, this is quite there. Yeah, yeah, I know, because we never <laughs> saw that guy, like, other than twice. Well, he's he's admittedly, he only goes to panels all the time and then just goes to his room to watch Trek. So that's his, that's his vibe, I guess. Well, he, um, I, I'm sure that now, Adam, that you've bested him in trivia, you will never see the Trek Ranks podcast again uh, unless like you us. come bearing some gift. Yeah, well, kind of like us. That's right, exactly. Why well, I had happened to mention to him that you guys were champing at the bit to get on that Trek Ranks podcast, and he, uh, well, well, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say what was said, but uh, <laughs> it's an exclu- it's an exclusive circle. It's like the Masters. I have my green Trek Ranks jacket, and I wear it proudly. I um, wow. well, you know, I understand. Someday we'll be able to play at that level because we can't all be. As as on point as James T. Morehouse. That's all I gotta say. He kills it with that show, and I love it. I I absolutely love that show. No, but it's uh, it, it's it is great. And if you look at the picture that our friend Claire took when I won, I've got uh my tongue out sticking up double live long and prosper signs. Jim's got a huge grin on his face, and the two guys that we don't know to my right look so salty. They're like so pissed because they won very strongly in their rounds. But then when you got James T. and your boy Droz coming on strong in the trivia, it's uh <laughs> as Bill Paxton would say in Aliens, it's game over, man. Game over. <laughs> well, uh, Adam, we, we've been excited to have you back. We'll have to bring you back for another see it or skip it uh, because I think that would be your jam. Um, but uh, it was there. so great to it's I know right it would be it was so great to catch up with you last week man and uh, it's a it's a shame we'll have to have it be another year before it happens but uh, we'll be sure to to trek geek you up uh, many times between then and now brother. Fellas, it's an absolute pleasure as always. Anytime you want to see it or skip it, just let me know. And uh, to anybody out there who's, you know, trying to recapture that STLV vibe and is watching a bunch of Star Trek, I've been doing the same thing. I recommend you seek out season one of Enterprise, classic Andorian Vulcan agenda. I'm talking, of course, about Shadows of Pafark. 
<laughs> oh, no, 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 sorry. No, no, we're not even going there. No, we just went there. Uh, Adam, where can all the Droz fans find you on the social medias? Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Drosen. First name, last name. I'm a rebel like that. What can I say? Wow, that's uh, that's pretty easy. It's it's a hell of a lot easier than ours. But, uh, dude, so great to have you here. We're going to have you hold on while we close this puppy up, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll regroup with you at the end. Uh, Dan, speaking oh. of Shadows of Pafark, we would be incredibly horrible people if we didn't thank those five guys, the aforementioned five-year mission, for all the music they provide for Trek Geeks each and every single week. They are wrapping up their work on the Year 4 album right now. Now, Dan, right now. Right now, we've been seeing some updates recently, and uh, it's it's getting close. And I'm getting pretty excited. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I don't know about you, Bill, but I sure as hell want him back as the house band for STLV 2018 DS9255YM. Wow. That's pretty good, huh? I think that's the longest hashtag ever. I, I don't <laughs> know if that works. Uh, okay, well, I'll try to I'll try to to shorten it a little bit, but yeah, we love Five Year Mission. I was watching a Voyager episode, and just the other day, as a matter of fact, where the Doctor added daydreaming to his program. Did you ever see that one? Um, Don't you know, think so. Ima- oh, it's a good one. He was imagining himself in this episode as a world ca- world class drummer in an amazing Star Trek band. It really was great. But little did the Doctor know that an alien race was observing him. And they were thinking that his daydreams were reality, and it caused great problems. You need to check out the episode. It's Tinker Tenor, Farkter Spy. It's awesome. You'll love it. So so wait a second. That is better than Shadows of Pafark? <laughs> yeah, because Pajem doesn't rhyme with Pafark. That was that was pitiful. Well, it's, listen, <laughs> listen. Not to not to note your farkism here, but if I was to do if if I was to use that episode, I would just go classic Tinker Tenor Soldier Fark, like Doctor Fark, wow. you know, whatever. So, no big deal. I mean, they're both solid farkisms. We don't need it. This isn't a fark matching contest. I'm sure he's going to be flattered regardless. Are we going to have a fark off? Is that what's going to happen here? Wow. No, you know what? I'll give you credit, Rose. Okay, I'll give you credit. You, you, you just stepped on my toes a little bit. I wasn't expecting it. It was uh, the last thing I sparked. Uh, well, oh, son of a... Rub some dirt on it, Davidson, okay? That's three tonight. Oh, he's going to love it. I'm just trying to figure out a way to work Renee Aubergine-Fark into the conversation. <laughs> all right, I'm putting a stop to this right now. So please head on out to 5 download all their albums, regardless of what these two yahoos say. You're going to love every single note of their music. We guarantee it. Dan, we also want to thank our good friend Aaron Harvey. He of Trek FM and Saturday Morning Trek, and also of The Edge, their brand-new Discovery podcast. Aaron created our beautiful Trek Geeks Delta, which uh, adorns most of the stuff in the Trek Geeks shop at shop.trekgeeks.com. And uh, we are proud to fly that thing as our Delta and, and use it as, as our identity, especially now that it's on my skin and I, I can't get it off of there. So, Aaron, thank you very much. Uh, check out Saturday Morning Trek and The Edge, both on Trek FM. Dan, next week, we, uh, we're going to return to some familiar territory with a great friend. Yeah, you know, now that the dust has settled on STLV, it's time to return to that familiar place on Trek Geeks. So next week, we're going to welcome back the captain of the Enterprise himself. That's right, Mr. Vic Mignogna is going to join us again. And we're going to talk about the latest, greatest episode of Star Trek Continues, What Ships Are For. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. 
Uh, I think this what is this his record sixth appearance on Trek Geeks? I believe. I do believe it is his sixth, and and I hope it's not the last. I'll say that. I am pretty sure it's not going to be the last. Uh, there's always room in the podcast for Vic Mignogna, and I'm excited to talk about what ships are for next week. Uh, Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone on the planet to check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions. They are wonderful people over there, and we love them. Uh, so many shows, so much great Star Trek discussion. Certainly something for every Star Trek fan. They're over at the TricorderTransmissions.com. And of course, Dan, for all the latest things, all of it, all the news on all the Star Treks, please check out our friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 111 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. And in the meantime, EOEO, coconut heaven, coconut heaven, coconut heaven. Oh my. Hello. Hello. Hey, dude. How you doing? How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. I'm hearing Good. myself I'm hearing... twice. You're hearing myself twice? I'm hearing myself, I'm hearing myself twice. twice. Oh, well, that's not good. So you are, so you, you, using are you using voice meter? I'm on voice meter, yes. So you cannot so pipe you cannot... your output or your computer sound to the output. All right. So I need to get rid of... So virtual... Input or hardware input? It's your virtual. You don't want to send it to... You send it to A1, but don't send it to anything else. How's that? I think that's better. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I just cut out um, B on my virtual input. Okay, because I use voice meter banana, which has more channels. Oh, okay. So the A... Um, is you. Yep. And you want to send that virtual input to you so you hear it, but you don't want to send it to your output so that it goes out as your your microphone. Okay. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. So I just leave A and deselect B. Yeah. So that way you hear it and you're the only one who does. Yep. Okay. And I don't. And now I want to see if I hear other things on my PC, which I should because I hear you. Yeah, if you hear me, you'll hear everything else. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, he said he was having some weirdness with his Skype, so hopefully he'll only be a minute. They probably wanted to update on him. Oh, that's true. I'm shutting some windows here. I turned hey, off my buddy. fan. There we go. So I played nine holes for the first time in two years today. Yes, how was it? I hit my pitching wedge actually pretty well. I was kind of surprised. There you go. First time ever. <laughs> Excellent. 
You were hitting the ball great at Top Golf. Not according to Mumphrey. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but he's kind of a dink, so. <laughs> he, he is. He is a dink. A big dink. I mean, love you, Chris. Yeah, no. Do you want me to uh, audacitize? Um, it'll, well, this is the same question we ask every time. I have to right. record all three sounds mixed as That's one true. because I don't have a choice. Right. Even if you record yours, I have no way to separate everybody else's. Yep. So there's no point in you doing it. Okay. All right. Looking at your at the screenshot of your voice meter, what is your mm. ace your number one slider set to for decibels? Oh, let me uh, let me send you an updated one. Oh, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I've got that in my head. <laughs> That's from uh, that's that airport game. No. No. There you Not go. even close. I sent it on Facebook. So the the screenshot is similar. It's just it's uh, the number I was looking for was zero point zero. The decibels. Oh, so basically, when I'm talking. No, I mean the number the actual slider is set to. I'm sorry, for which channel? I'm sorry, what did you say? Which channel one. was it? Oh, the okay. One that's you. Yep, zero, zero. So that's the one you're probably going to have to turn down a little bit because you tend to get louder when you record. Oh, okay. So if you notice, you slide that down a little bit just now playing with it. Yep. I'm right now down to minus 2.2. .2. Yeah, now... If you double-click it, you'll come right back up to zero. Oh, yeah. Okay. But at time, you know, your hotness is directly tied to your level. I should say the hotness right. of your microphone, because you're always hot, you son of a bitch. I was going to say, really. Yeah. So <laughs> you, know, you can even start off probably with it at like negative three or negative four. Okay. Because right now your mic's not directly in front of you. Right. I usually leave it to the side like this. Because it's so hot? Pretty much. Well, that's part of the reason you have voice meter now. Oh, that's true. Okay, right now I got it at two point, minus 2.8 right now. Why'd you come down yeah. to minus 5 where I am? Yeah. Oh, you're at minus 5. Okay. Yep. Can you type it up? Can you type it in manually? No. Or do you have to slide it? Just slide it. Okay, minus 5. There we go. Now move your mic closer. Hi, hi, hi. Any better? Um, sure, but you'll know from looking at your own meter when you're talking yep. Yep. Um, exactly where it's at. When I'm talking right now, it's at about minus 5 dB. Well, right, but you see the, the levels on the green slider or the, the green volume. Yeah, it never gets, it's, it's get a, not even halfway up the green. Okay, that's actually not too bad. Okay. That's fine. Now, that's on the hardware input. If I look at the hardware out, it's uh, when I talk, it gets up near the top, but not all the way. I'm not necessarily worried about that. I'm worried about controlling okay. the input. Right. Because right now you're coming out, you know, level, you know, even okay. on your output. 
So if we well, that's what we want. Yeah, if we notch down your input just a little bit, it's gonna keep you from blowing ears out. Okay, you know, and and I might be. Uh, oh, he's on Skype now. Let's okay. see. And then just try to see remember what? not to laugh into the microphone. Yes, yes, yes. Where's fan sets? Ah, hey, you made it. All right, I think he's ready. Every time we record, it's like the first time, baby. 